shallow words bring nothing new. Shallow words bring nothing new. It cuts out. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Will Beeman, and this is another episode of Superstructure. I have my two co-hosts, Max Seho. How's it going? And Natty Smith. Hey. And returning to the podcast is uh, Molto Populare on Twitter. Hi. Hi, Molto. <laughs> Where's um, that accent? Yeah, Where's sorry. that accent from that she has? What is that? Is that is that from South Africa? <laughs> Fuck you, Natty. <laughs> all the way, um, all the way down underneath the base, actually. The superstructure's under the base in the southern hemisphere, so it's just they, you know, the toilets go the other direction. It's, yeah, um, capital circulates the other way. Uh-huh, um, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but so yeah, today is May Day. Happy Communist Christmas, everybody. To steal the thing that charlotte said in our first take that we just did so max what did you do today i think that you were out in the base celebrating yeah i uh i went to the mayday march um downtown area it's actually we we started near chinatown um and this this is in la and uh yeah we marched a good two miles it was great a lot of chanting um there were there were (laughs) There were some people who were saying how the squad was not your friend, which was kind of funny in front of in front of us. Was that a chat? Uh, no, they were just they were just <laughs> mad. They were just mad at DSA for some reason. There, there, I, I, there was a know. chant though, wasn't um, there? That was like about how AOC is a sellout or something. So I mean, <laughs> the highlight was when <laughs> when someone turned around and and looked me in the eye and said Bernie was a boss. Um, <laughs> what does and, that even mean? <laughs> And it's like, <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? He had so he had employees. Yeah, which he's he's a PMC who sold out. Is that what you are saying? One of the bad. Which I mean, PMC. you know, I, every yeah, everyone was there. We were having fun. We were marching. We were chanting. I was dancing. It was good fun. Instead of working, he was dancing. Did you did, <laughs> did you go stoned and or have a playlist? Like, what was your playlist on the way? Like, and how? So, what form of transportation did you take? Was it green? So uh, I got this. It was Rage Against the Machine, and you were riding a motorbike. Right. Yeah. So I drove in my Mini Cooper, um, and I listened to the the Killers. Do you really have a way. Mini Cooper? Uh, I wait. I really have a Mini Cooper. Yeah. That... You do? How did I yeah, know no, I really you have do. a Mini Cooper? That's, yeah. That's yeah. 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 It's right outside. Because I guess that's where it would be. That, um, that's what that's what the MC and PMC stands for. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, Princess Mini Cooper. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I'm Princess Mini Cooper. Um, well, what shirt are you wearing right now? Oh, I'm wearing a Minnie Mouse shirt. Oh, yeah. um, oh my god! Look, I I'm just look. Here's the here's the problem is I have to really tamp it down. It's too much. It's too much sometimes. So mini a mini everything. Um, yeah, well, it sounded like there were some ultras at that at that rally today, right? I love. I mean, them. yeah, mostly Uh-oh. just like according to the logic of ultras, ultra? there were there were people who were young and passionate. And we're, you know, yelling about internationalism, which is fine. Um, and not in the DSA. Well, right. Well, but it's weird because I, I'm in the DSA. Anyway. Um, Max, is, Max is in the DSA now. Yeah. As of, Congratulations. Yeah. Mazel about 
20 minutes ago. But it's a good way, I think, to get into the conversation today, which is there was a whole, let's say, kerfuffle on Twitter um, about a dig podcast and related DSA, uh, certain people in DSA's sort of discourse around ultras and what that means, how... Um, let's, how that's that phrase is used. Let's just start off and say they mean Charlotte. <laughs> Charlotte and people like Charlotte. Australian Australians. Yeah. So we've been wanting to do an episode about the PMC, like professional managerial class thing for a while. And then suddenly, like oh, in like the week before we were going to do it, uh, this this like ultra discourse emerged, which is basically just the the next iteration of the PMC discourse. So we thought we'd stay topical and, and talk about ultras. And uh, you know, I think we'll tease out during this episode what both terms mean and why they're the same, um, or at least kind of analogs. Or yeah, related. they're, they're a- yeah. analogs of each other. Um, maybe let's start with with ultras in the ultra episode. Um, so this was, this was an episode of the Dig podcast, which is the official Jacobin podcast. It's a one of them. Oh, maybe. I thought it was like, it's like the flagship. Yeah. One, though. Anyway. It, uh, technically it is a podcast from Jacobin. Wait, is it, is it the same podcast that did the Catherine Lou? That, that's the YouTube channel. So that, that's the difference. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. So no. So the dig is like the more woke podcast of Jacobin. Like dig is like typically like the, you know, I know Dan and yeah, like the usually like a lot of like deep dives and like kind of academic books. So it's like less of that, like typically of this like official Jacobin Catherine Liu thing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like the Derek Varn of zero books. That's a good way of putting it. But <laughs> this episode specifically broke with that, yep. broke with that trajectory and was more like the Catherine Liu of Jacobin. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I want to start like what, are ultras. Well, Natty asked me this in a chat the other day, and my entire understanding of ultra leftism, ultra leftism is like my history in the on the Leninist left, and I'm pretty sure it just means anyone who is left of the party, and that's that is my entire understanding. It's just like a, it's just a word used to discredit basically anybody to the left of the speaker. Right. Like the the Lenin the title of the Lenin book is the <laughs> the Lenin book is like ultra leftism and infantile disorder. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's like it's such a precursor to the kind of like internet language that we use now in a way. Because like, there's still a lot of Lenin in a lot of people's DNA. Like not to like use a DNA metaphor, but like <laughs> I mean it it relies first and foremost on this idea of where the masses currently are. Right. Yeah. Where you you know you establish that first from the outset. And then the role of a mass party, right, which then becomes their distinction of a mass party that meets the masses where they're at versus ultras, right, who just begin with their ideas and don't really care about where the masses are at. And there's historical splits or references probably too, right? Like, oh, this Bordigist or this left communist and then, I don't know, like... This libcom guy, but then took on over time, like probably all different. Right. Yeah, and um, the structure of it is that since it opens with this appeal to 
like a base of normal people who are all a certain way, it's a very slippery term because it, it really can just be applied to anybody to the left of whatever you and your organization has determined is where the masses are. Party line. Yeah. And then obviously like the where the movement of the masses and the consciousness of the masses supposedly are always is exactly in line with the where the party is at, of course. So the, those two things become like completely interchangeable. Once you replace the masses, like this idea of the masses with the party, then you can really justify anything by these terms, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and so it's it's a self-exculpating party line, right? It exactly, doesn't yeah. want to admit that it is a party line because it's it it has there's this like pretensions of being We have a mass tendency. Anybody can say anything. It's science. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, science. it's science. Yeah, this is mm. this is just yeah. you know, we're just reflecting passively what the workers are telling us, which for some reason we're you know, but obviously this is a value judgment, right? And and they're yeah. they're trying to erase their own curation of what yeah. is a legitimate worker's grievance and like exactly. well, priority. Yeah. And a curation and... of what you can say. And well, what right, you mostly yeah. can't say is anything that isn't what they're saying. Yeah, and so it ends up becoming this it's very much like a kind of a projection, <laughs> you know, because it's the tendency that, that it's describing, like, that is what the ultra tendency is if if it's anything right it's it's starting with an ideal that you haven't justified at all but you're just kind of asserting and then trying to discipline people according to that and of course i think that we would say that there's no such thing as politics that doesn't do that but you have to own that ideas are there a priori in whatever you're putting forward and be reflexive about that and deal with that in some way instead of you know, kind of hiding behind, these aren't my ideas, these are just the ideas of the people, which end up being, you know, you have to compromise here and here politically, and you don't compromise there, right? That's that's how it shakes out practically. It's very vague outside of a plan, and then apart from the plan and the things you're supposed to do with no speaking, this vagueness can, like, associate people who are really different, because, like, there are bad actors on the left, you know, there are like Stalinist people, there are people who are a bit wild. And I think it's better to be specific RE ideas when you talk to them about what is wrong about their ideas. This just like, Mm -hmm. you're an ultra, then it's just like, people who are good and bad actors, like you're not engaging any of their ideas, except to say, no, you're in the wrong ones, because you're not normal, whatever the fuck that is. And you can think you have a good faith version of what's normal but it's so easy for someone shitty to take on that normalcy and immediately like apply it in a exclusionary way well and and what's important about this too right like dan denver um natty who you know on the podcast said like an ultra is you know what you know it when you see it which is just (laughs) completely irresponsible right because i know dan's not like that but like the wrong person like a Catherine lou who's thinking that she means something really violent yeah and like just as a great example is in the wake of that podcast just to concretize it like people have commented on our episodes where they would normally call us like pmc or cops or are now calling us ultras right so there's a sort of interchangeability with it that I'm willing to take it in the benefit of the doubt to say that there are people who think that this term is not dangerous in that sense right but but i can't imagine why but yeah right but 
I mean, I, I, I don't know why they, they think that, right? I mean, it probably yeah. is a sort of clickish, click, clickishness. But the point of that episode, well, that I they think because like someone like Ryan Knight actually is like shitty that they're critiquing, but. Uh the vocabulary they're using is bad, but I think they're thinking, well, this object I happen to be thinking of is shitty, but I think they're diagnosing wrong what's shitty about him and then associating it again in this really destructive or dangerous discursive mo- move where yeah. everybody who's not your click thinks it's about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you fucked up. <laughs> but that does have like a broader disciplinary function as well. Like that, that's oh, yeah. that's part of the reason for it. That that intentional vagueness. Yeah. And then like also, I think that they really do seem to have just started adopting ultra uh, to replace the word wrecker, where they used to use that. Yeah. You know, like everyone yeah. was constantly being accused of being a wrecker, and now they have like what some yeah. kind of like more politicized version of that like uh-huh which in in a previous um episode gramsci overboard where we read from uh an essay called dad overboard by amber lee frost yeah we, i thought it was we, da- was it not daddy overboard or <laughs> <laughs> i think it was mark's overboard you know i mean we we focused on the kind of like oppressive sort of family logics of like when you compare an organization to a family uh, you know, which you do when you say that somebody who tears it apart is like a homewrecker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you do that, right, the appeal to a family is you're not allowed to leave, right? Like, if you leave, you're going to fuck everything up. So it's, yeah. it's, so the onus is on you to stay. Well, and it's a disciplinary function that is like a preemptive silencing, you know, when people are like, don't, don't fight online about anything with DSA, like, that's just preemptively, well, A, like, people are gonna, like, say shit online, like, and probably some will be true and some not, but, like, just trying to be like, don't say shit, like, that's the way cover-ups happen, like, that's the way yeah. people don't feel safe to, like, say shit, and then people will say, no, like, real DSA chapters, if you go in real life, like, you know, people are uh, super multi-tendency and open, and you don't know the debates that people are having, it's like, well, then why can't we know the debates people are having? Like, why are we yeah. getting this totally different impression? It just sows distrust towards these, but it doesn't help yeah. anything. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, not to give the term the benefit of the doubt, but to give a lot of people who who give the term the benefit of the doubt the benefit of the doubt, right? <laughs> They, I think, are identifying something that's like a real problem that the term ultra is the only term that they've heard used to describe it, right? And yeah. and that, that problem is a certain, you know, I mean, we talked about the force the vote campaign to like try to bully and abuse AOC into bending to the will of, of the left, which has been thwarted by the fact that it has like lost its univocal enemy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's a real problem with the kind of politics that just picks purity tests. And from those purity tests, um, like prosecutes this punishment drive to try to discipline everybody according to those politics. Yeah, these are real tendencies. Like, for example, like in Australia, we only had like, like a fucking same-sex marriage plebiscite like in 2017 and it was like put to a public vote and it won in the end but like it was like months and months of public debate and stuff and there were like this is an example of like I think like just leftists that were arguing against gay marriage on kind of ultra leftist terms saying you know marriage is a marriage is a bad institution and it's a heterosexual institution and blah, 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 which are like, you know, they're all true. Like we all, 
we are all famously critical of the family and not me <laughs> but um but yeah i think people people have a right to be like annoyed about that kind of thing when it does seem like it's just kind of like undercutting struggles that do have a little bit of momentum do you know what i mean like and like like importantly importantly though that struggle is not one that is located in a single point of agency which is unions as the collective will of a working class yeah i think that's where this whole conversation is just so muddled because it's premised on this this need to weed out inauthenticity right and to weed out difference because because difference is seen as an enemy the enemy of of a movement that needs a coherent negation, right? That needs to coherently negate a particular set of of power and for, and forces. Sorry, unless the kind of difference is like you're a Nazi or something, that's fine. Like you can be a of course. Nazi right. in a union if you're. Well, that's if you're relatable. Everybody man. can understand. <laughs> Sometimes you need some QAnon because... honest speech. Like Glenn gets it. Glenn's a pretty regular guy. Glenn Green. Glenn Greenwald. <laughs> And uh-huh. he gets it. Sometimes you just well, <laughs> you just you and the guys, you just want to believe in QAnon that gives you a yeah. sense of community. That's understandable. Amber gets it too. Well, right. Be- <laughs> because this gets us ex- like into the, the next part of the conversation that I think we want to get to, which is that the premise of this vision of change starts from the, the fact that to say that someone in ul- is an ultra positions the person saying it like in this case you know uh dan and and dan denver and femi and and mindy eiser and and everyone on femi who's like i don't believe in aesthetics aesthetics are horrible you know it's like okay yeah well and 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 this is this is um the like the root of their diagnosis of the ultra problem is that the problem is aesthetics right alienating aesthetics Right. It doesn't start from the coherent working class base. Which is not at all aesthetic. It's just wearing overalls. <laughs> it's not aesthetic. It's just organic. I'm going to continue on my strain of thought. So, um, so, but to call someone ultra, like like what, what Dan Denver and Olafemi and, and Mindy Eiser and others did, is to position oneself as someone with in the position of having knowledge right i have the knowledge about the science of marxism mm-hmm. to to quote mindy eiser um specifically <laughs> that did, did she really right, say and, that well she said she said we have to have faith in the science of marxism <laughs> right but but no this is really important this is really important right because to call someone an ultra means to implicate yourself as not in the working class Right, you have the knowledge to identify the tendencies of what's valid, what's invalid, what's normal, and what's abnormal, because you are a PMC, right? Because you're you 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 spend time with the books, right? Mm-hmm. It, it it's sort of understood that you're not an organic intellectual, right? It, so you're a professional manager of the class oh, exactly right <laughs> that's fu- that's so fucking brilliant i feel a little bad how how hard i laughed so we, well we're, we're noting that and keeping it in 
Um, <laughs> I know. I, I've already accepted that after some of the other episodes. I'm like, don't put this in. They're like, yeah, right, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but this is important, right? Because it's like, as the managers of the class and of the organization that is the mass that, that has a sort of organizational structure that, that is, is supposed to foment this mass politics in the class of which they identify with, but which of course they, they know because they, they, they have to understand that it's a, it's a scientific relationship to the point of production Mm -hmm. that they can't be in that class. Because this is the thing too, Max. And this is like the shit that happened with, which I was really surprised with Dan because he's like interviewing academics all the time. And then he's like, oh, like, uh, you know who really liked this episode? Professional organizers. You know who didn't? Academics. It's like, whoa, like, wait a <laughs> second. Like, that's a really rude, like, way to dismiss, like, half of your listeners, probably, Let's... as well as, like, <laughs> anyone who disagrees with you as if that's a slur. And that's what this whole PMC thing comes back to is, like, academic self-exculpating. Barbara Ehrenreich, Catherine Liu, like, all these theorists like circle back to this thing where they're like, well, we are the PMC and we are academics, but we like need to debase ourselves and be humble, which like, but the way they say it is then they're like, this other academic was rude to a foundry worker. And it's just like, this is so hack. It's It's hack concepts. It's, it's hack concepts, but it's also baked into the dialectical logic of the, the theory of change. That is the science of Marxism again, to quote, to quote Mindy, right. Which is, which is the the class is going to be for itself right it's going to be it's going to be a self-interested class that is fighting for itself right it's going to fight for its own wages it's going to fight for its own working conditions it's going to fight in that contestation right and the job of the organizer of the of the 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 knowledge worker of the PMC who's woke and who considers themselves radical is to be for the class, right? It's being for the class in a zero-sum relationship. Well, and in the 70s, like, part of the debate that was coming out of, like, with the new left was, like, debates with, like, other tendencies, like the new communists or different trots, I feel like, the trots, who knows, but, like, people going to factories to join the working class. It's like, no, we won't join the working class. We'll manage the working class, but in a humble way. But then there were also debates at the time, like, oh, well, the you know, some people were saying, like, well, part of the working class is at the universities, like Andre Gorse. But it was like a lot of there's like interesting historical iterations of these debates. Because like I, when I was a Leninist, I literally read a fucking essay. We were made to read a fucking essay called Ultra Leftism and Liberalism, like two sides of the same coin, or something like that. Like it's a very theorized thing. And and. In, mental Marxist circles. What, right, what this signals is this desire to bracket, right? It's always this bracketing, right? And so you have to, you have to, you have to posit something as invalid in order to establish something that's valid, right? And so it's like calling someone ultra is, is like a relationship. It's, it's in a weird way, it's almost self-implicating, right? So like what they did in the podcast is like say, all these people are ultras, but we are just ultras who are smarter. Yeah, well, it's right. It's like you were saying before. You, um, you know, you're putting yourself in a position of knowledge um, and a position of power in that sense. But um, you're also like, yeah, it's you're really making yourself the adult in the room. That's the yeah. that's like the Lenin 
infantile disorder. Like it's just saying everyone else's yeah. children. And the self-hating academic. Yeah. And that also, it really does uh, bring me, like bring into the PMC thing of why they refuse to criticize the union bureaucracy in the same as managers as literal managers of the working class in the same way that they want to criticize academics. Like you were saying about, was it Dan Denver saying, Oh, like professional organizers, like my podcast academics don't. And it's like, well, they didn't like that specific one. Yeah. Professional organizers, uh, you know, get workers fired for starting strikes without their permission, like as well. So it's yeah, but that's not a criticism they have because like, also, you know, Amber Frost and stuff, they're all fucking professional union organizers. Like, And you know what? Like, I'm in a union. I'm in the UAW, right? Like, and and our union fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, you know, which is which is not to say that unionization and unions as in general suck and are not a useful, like, important analog for thinking the theory of change in different yeah. ways. But unions, like... This deferral strictly to unions as institutions as the only path by which we will get change is really fucked. Well, and also there was that tweet that Gabriel Winan did where it's like, you know, this is someone who's a history professor, you know, like Chicago, And so he'll always like really historicize like the PMC and like the Aaron Reich's own 70s version of like saying what the PMC is in the 20th century, you know, but like. He tweeted like, oh, I've been in union rooms that were uh, not and not just graduate unions as if like real unions are like, I don't know why, because this guy's writing about like in Pittsburgh, the move to healthcare and like black women's unions, but then is still doing the same like academic self-exculpating thing, which is like within that Leninist move of like Aaron Reich and Lou being like consciously like, yeah, we are in academia, but like. Whether it's like Barbara saying she dated a man who was a truck driver who read more marks than her or like Catherine Liu being like, I have an inner truck driver whenever she wants to say something offensive. Like, <laughs> literally tweeted about how her husband won't do dishes, oh. like bragging about it. That's how of the base she is. Well, yeah, because she, she does she's charting virtue. She's being for the base, right? I mean, that's the, like, she's doing dishes for the base. Yeah. She's reproducing her husband as a worker. Yeah. She's, she's wives and or mothers of the working yep. class. I, uh, okay. Did you so, know, though, that some truck drivers still feel a sense of service? Like, Barbara Ehrenreich will also say shit like that in, in interviews. And she's like, what? we shouldn't just say that PMC, because, like, there's this argument that the PMC, though, like, what's rescuable about it, like, from the left is if they, like, deny the ability to like be like for capital and like become for workers that you can kind of like rescue the seed of like service and that comes out of professionalism. I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to mean, but then it's like self-contradictory because Barbara will also say, she's like, well, actually like truck drivers too feel a sense of service. So it's like, well, then what was the point of the argument? Like, yeah, is this about like, yeah, I mean, the whole, the whole thing stems from an anxiety. And this is what I what I realized, like, through the course of this discourse, which is the, the anxiety is, is whether you're Dan Denver or Mindy Iser or or you're an accomplished academic who does important work with with DSA um, is this anxiety about not feeling like you're a valid social agent. Right. I mean, that that's what it is. Right. And so you 
you don't want to be an ultra because an ultra is someone who has desires for things Mm -hmm. that are grander than the pro act, right? But you feel invalid in having those desires because those desires don't immediately translate into having a communist revolution, right? So, So the anxiety about feeling those desires and feeling like you're in the privileged position to feel those desires then comes out in the form of othering and othering people who have those but don't they are they aren't beaten out of them quite as much by the world and by by losses and so what that anxiety produces because we do live in a a sort of variously precarious neoliberal ish world right um, is this need to to cut away certain desires, certain senses of, of the identity of oneself in order to then produce a sort of working mold for how we can even just begin to start changing things. And what that what that really is, is it's a self-loathing form of taxpayer logic where I am the PMC I, I, I have, I could be an ultra. I might be an ultra. I might be bad for the party because I want things. And as a PMC, I have to reduce myself, right? Bring myself to pure service of this self-interested entity, which is perceived to be the located valid agent in a struggle with capital, in a class struggle with capital. To quote Dasha, I just want free healthcare. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where this Maoist history is interesting, because like Barbara Ehrenreich and like part of her like talking about the 70s, like one of her uh, people who's supposed to be PMC is like, um, you know, like a professor and his wife who are start like reading from Mao's little red book and is like, Barb, every time Mao says liberal, they say Barbara. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then at the same time, like this um, casting out is like turned back against them because she's like I don't know why it actually it's really funny she says to Alex Press I don't know why PMC has become an ultra left slur it's like you just use two like but but and then at the same time that Catherine Liu is like talking about she has some sort of like Maoist thing and like part of this thing of the new left in the 70s is like like they're doing this sort of Maoist self-crit so it's like sometimes someone else is doing it to you but then so you're doing it to somebody else and then it's like this chain effect paranoia because kind of this looking for the like you guys have talked about before like this kind of mass politics neoliberalism that's in parts of maoism and this is this is the exact same move that gabriel winnott makes right in in his article about for the professional managerial class right which is locating a particular class which has a particular proximity to the point of production. Again, the point of production is not a thing, right? And 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 the point of production is a complex social relationship that involves a, a sort of means of the means of production that is money. And I feel I feel like that's important to to say and that sort of public those public relations of money precede that. So, we've spent a lot of time deconstructing that whole myth of the point of production and the the base and the working class. It's but but it's important to say that the need to identify an invalid class that needs to subordinate itself is exactly implicated in all of these these sort of needs and tendencies to dialectically harmonize a, th- a, a sort of socialist agenda, 
Right. And your interview with Dan Berger was good on that. The way that movements are for money on the left, the movements are nested. There's all different. Like you don't all have to be like on one single line. Like you guys can like intersect and work together and have different things going on. And you also don't have to constantly prove yourself. Like how much work have you done? Like how much like are you valid? Like, do you give a shit or not? Like this having to like prove yourself as well is like it's very Protestant or I don't know right. what it is, but and so PMC and Ultra are both of symptomatic like formations that that are of a piece with the structural analysis of what Mindy Eiser calls the science of Marxism, right? And so and so that's important to say, right? It's not like there's a valid form of PMC. It's not like there's a valid form of ultra that these what become slurs, right? These analytically structured slurs of othering are are part and parcel of an analysis not only of a theory of change, but what production is, right? It's a retrenchment to this base superstructure dialectical analysis. And this is this is why we have a, a huge problem with it. Not at the at the first, like at an analytical point, right? One might say at a, as a, as a science of political economy, but at, at another level, there's the discursive argument. Yeah, I mean, there's different things going on. Like there are historical middle classes, right? There are historical people who were, you know, like some of the people they cite, you know, like white collar in the '50s or C. Wright Mills, or like there were certain types of jobs created, which, yeah, like that's partly related to different things, whether it's state investment or, or the most corporate shit, but it's like, none of these things happen through some scientific logic. We're just like the seventies naturally deindustrialized. And so that's no, what actually happened was like political decisions were made. And also what happened from the seventies to the eighties, isn't that the PMC like didn't kiss the ground enough. And so that's why Atari Democrats one in the 80s and they betrayed the class instead of doing enough like nursing management union like uh outreach to the steel workers you know like (laughs) there are like historical layers there are things where there were different times where different people had different kinds of jobs and but that all is like the thing is prior it's like people are just looking at the end of it well i mean they're looking at it through an analytical lens that that produces outcomes that fit that analytical lens right i mean that's the, that's certainly the case with gabriel winnett that's the case with barbara ehrenreich there's a dialectical lens that's happening here that that means that the we can only have the pro act if we all right as discursive actors subordinate our desire to think and to be critical and to have theories that can explain and, and, and think out new alternative potentials to a, a material process that is scientific in nature. And so there are all different sorts of ways we could come out doing this. But this general model then manifests in different ways um, through different people theorizing things like PMC. But it's important to say I think that we that our our line, which you know we're gonna we're gonna laugh and our party line, right? The superstructure line. I'm gonna bang a gavel. I reserve the right to have a natty exception. <laughs> <laughs> um, the state of Natalie, um, and um, right is is that like you know PMC and Ultra are are performing a similar function, whether it's psychologically or analytically, and that function is to say that there's something that I don't like. It can be myself, 
It can be someone else, right? It, it can be stemming from jealousy or stemming from hatred or stemming from all different f- sorts of places. But well, I don't there's know if something... jealousy is the right line we want to use. That's like... Well, I mean, well, I there's think... There's an element of competition, like of, of intra... Like, it, like of competition. Like, I definitely feel like there's an anxiety that of... Like, because these people, they all are academics, the people talking about ultras and PMC. They are all staying in that industry. They are aware, like, they're really, I think there is an element of, like, not jealousy, but, like, competition competition with other academics. None of them actually want to go work in a factory. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But they have to justify themselves and they have to justify being there and they have to differentiate themselves from other people to stay there but also remain like connected to the base. Like it's, yeah. And I mean, I mean jealousy in a very particular way. I mean, in the sense that an ultra to someone who is a responsible PMC, an ultra is someone who has the same desires as the academic who wants a revolution, but doesn't subordinate them to a working class. So, right. It's like, and and we, this played out in in the in the episode where one of like Mindy Eiser said, "I was an ultra. I know what it's like to just be out there and to be doing everything that I want to do." I mean, again, their definition is a mess too, but their definition of ultra is just a mess. Like, well, of course, but that's, that's but point, that's every yeah, definition. Yeah. But that's by design. It has to be a moving goalpost. It has to be because it stems from a misunderstanding of what is a highly contingent, always publicly mediated construction of employment and all of these things into some kind of a class formation that then they attribute a particular kind of consciousness to. <laughs> and and that then they try to like push back against their own consciousness and choose the difficult path. Well, I remember like to illustrate what Max was saying, like when I was in a socialist party, like we used to go to a lot of like anti-fascist, like counter rallies. Um, and, you know, sometimes like depending on what the kind of organization wanted to do, you know, in the pre meetings, like the planning meetings, it would be like, look, we can't be like those black block people. You know, we want to go. I know we all would love to be the black block people. Do you know what? I know we want to go and like yeah. get in the thick of it and be the shit out of some fascists. I get That's, that, but this yeah, is yeah. not the time for that because that is not yeah, yeah. like what's, yeah. So That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I get what you mean, yeah. And I relate to that. I was like that. <laughs> It's relatable. Yeah, it's relatable. It's relatable, quote unquote, in the way that like Ryan Knight is relatable. Right. (laughs) There's a sense in some of these framings of Ryan Knight as an ultra that's like, we would all love to be Ryan Knight. And it's like, no, like we shouldn't. I don't know. No, that that's there. That 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 is a hundred percent there. When 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 Mindy describes Ryan Knight as being and like, you know, I used to be an ultra like I get it. And their examples of ultras are things like force the vote, which, yes, might make us feel good, but isn't, like, strategically, like, loyal it's enough to It's just hard to, to relate base. to being jealous of Ryan Knight. I'm having, but I, I, I see what <laughs> well, you're Well, I mean, saying, there's, there's, yeah. there's real desire of, like, what's wrong with Ryan isn't his ideas. It's that his ideas are not close enough to reality like are are right. not practical enough but it's no actually well, that's what's the moving goal well right yeah, but that's the goal but, but on the on the end of ryan's ideas themselves his ideas are a punishment drive and that needs to be spelled out 
because right, right that that's what I'm trying to zero in on. Because he has slurs too. He also has. Of course, slurs, like, of course, be, because it's baked into the analysis. because the whole thing is projection of their own punishment drive onto him. That's why they say I used to be an ultra because like they're talking about themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, yeah. I get that. That's and and that's incredibly important because then that leads back, and then I feel like we're circling here, which is an interesting. Now we can get to of, the Catherine Lou and well, yeah, the, well, right. the, it leads the exact, human capital and go it, ahead. It leads exactly to what the PMC as a as a concept, which is is a concept that is 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 a moving goalpost as well by design, right? Because yeah. the PMC is structured around this punishment drive relationship onto the self and onto a culturally what they write a sort of particular cultural formation that they're identifying right a particular to use cultural studies language a particular cultural conjuncture right that sounds inflation inflationary it's, is that like know, is that like ethnic studies there's a there's a there's is, is a, that uh, when you go between departments and you just travel and are are, are liminal and slow yeah and 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 then you trip <laughs> and you create a new money form and capitalism starts again and it's, it's a mess this is an aside this is an aside this week in a class i argued with lawrence grossberg who was who's, who's a professor at unc chapel hill who's a student of um Stuart Hall and oh, and he cool. has he he talks about like the our affective cultural moment as hyperinflationary. <laughs> um, he literally talks about it as hyperinflationary, right? So, so but there's this cultural there's this understanding of our cur- current cultural moment as a sort of a relation of production sort of as culture as like discursive production um that that locates PMC in both like and some people do it as Winnet, which is this is a relationship to a, a class economic historical formation in a dialectical moment. And it doesn't and have anything to do with your self-identity as like a child of the never-ending academy. Yeah. And also grad student <laughs> unions aren't real unions. Well, it, right, right. I agree. The UAW is not a real union. Um, so it's precisely this movement that we get from Ehrenreich and Winnet's definition of PMC to Catherine Liu's sort of flaunting, indulgent hatred of anyone she culturally sort of, she she can smell the PMC Sticking pussies. <laughs> Literally right? quote. I mean, you know. That's one of the yeah. biggest problems yeah, yeah. facing the working class. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's also really interesting, the, the sort of like the way that they talk about cultural signifiers and all of these things like this is idealism but it's idealism that's that for them is an artifact of their of the fact that they're pmcs right like it's 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 their yeah. tell right it's the thing that they can't help but give away they were born into what i think marx would call a religion right as a sort yes. of yeah. a, a sort of um a, a form of idealism which is essentially a reflection of of capitalism, especially when we get into the neoliberal kind of moment. Our, you know, what what I guess Marxists used to feel more comfortable calling their obvious class identity as workers, right? Under neoliberalism, everything is an analogy to markets, and we are analogized 
to entrepreneurs, right? We're entrepreneurs of ourselves. We collect skills. There are assets, our little portfolio of tradable skills that we, you know, acquire new ones, discard them. All that kind of stuff gets rolled in to all of the cultural telltale signs of the quote-unquote PMC, which is, you know, this obsession with, you know, my babies need to listen to Mozart and, you know, all the stuff that that Catherine Liu um, in, in some of the videos that I saw was complaining about how PMCs raise their kids. <laughs> and there are some prep, there are some preppy assholes, right? Of course. With some husband who works at a bank, but we could call that something else as opposed yeah. to like the driving issue in the, in DSA. Like how about calling that white supremacy? Exactly. Right? Like why, why, <laughs> yeah, why, yeah. why, why are we yeah. making that about, you know, about their relationship to sales associates? But calling it white supremacy would be alienating a potential base of workers. And so you have to come up with right. some other signifier for it that can still posit it's in like it's invalid structure, but not in a way that in any way can be used in turn back on the valid structure. And so this is why this is exactly the problem, right? So we end pattern. up w- weirdly People like Catherine Liu and people who talk about PMC end up searching for cultural modes of articulation of class. Because that's what because, it always was. Too. Beca- yeah. Well, well, well it, it's because be- that's what all culture is, is it's connected to a material position. Catherine Liu, she made the funniest point because in the end, like she, she was like in one of the interviews on like Jacobin, I think it was, she was like, so... It's a, she said it's a moral decision that a lot of like middle layer people can make. For example, she said people from a lot of middle layer people. Yeah. She was like, for example, like high school teachers up to professors can make a decision to be of the base. They can choose. Mm-hmm. They, they, there's a choice. Right. And then she, the ex- they can join DSA. Yeah. The example she used was so, for example, the high school teacher that, knitted a beanie for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> it's so petty. It's just petty. She is an example of a potential PMC that has made a decision <laughs> to stay close to the base via knitting. For Oh, that's one of the good ones. <laughs> that's one of yeah, the good it's it's that's her differentiation. Like it's <laughs> and so we just end up arguing at the level of some of some materialized sense of culture, yeah. like this knitting, that then can stand in for class relations. Exactly. Because in a neoliberal era, the only way to get at class relations is through this sort of cultural back door. What, so then we end Absolutely. up processing politics on the terms of aesthetics, which we hate that we nevertheless base our entire <laughs> yeah. base in a dialectical relationship upon it's the excuse me it's the eternal return it's the eternal return of the what was it the eternal return. well i mean it's it's the the eternal return of the the lack right um which oh, is i is, like those yeah, you do. <laughs> um and so it, the whole like i hope like this this combo and with will's beautiful pristine editing <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit like rapid fire still um but i hope if there's something like to take away from it it's that the whole structure of ultra pmc valid working class base valid theory of change that goes through the point of production i.e unions to pass the pro act to get to the job guarantee to get to those things 
Like we love, I love those policies. Like personally, like they're awesome. truly, right? They're awesome, and they they we absolutely need them, and they're Super not good awesome. enough. And they there's so much potential there. There's potential for for solidarity and justice and and like universal forms of inclusion and internationalism, even in in all of them. Parties, right? And getting high, and, mm. exactly. Slutty and desire and sex and <laughs> all of it. Like we 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 love all that stuff, but please. Don't submerge it into a rigid dialectical schema that then predicates its own validity on the invalidity of an other. Yep. Please, like, I beg of you. And, you know, this is also why I want to bring it back to you. Like, marching today, like, for May Day was beautiful. It was lovely. I was dancing. Uh, you know, I felt solidarity with everyone Just else. like Barbara, you were dancing in the street. <laughs> Even when people were turning and looking at me and like looking at me disgustingly because <laughs> I was I was I was like supporting the pro act and not and not like a revolutionary communist, I still felt solidarity with them because it was Yeah, and and at at no time did that solidarity like involve Max choosing to be that person instead of who he is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or othering anyone else. Like. Right. Or having to say that I am only here to be there for a worker. It's like, yep. I, fuck you. We're all workers in various ways. This is a complex social relationship to de- democratic and, and variously in undemocratic forms of contesting production at multiple nodes and levels, whether it's discursively or materially, quote unquote. There's so many different forms and functions of this. And okay, so but like, did you but did you hear Catherine? She said she said fuck fuck cultural rebellion. <laughs> cultural rebellion. <laughs> and it's like and it's like it's see like you know what Catherine? Fuck you. And if you vote for the pro act, that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever, they, whatever. Like, like there's there's so much diversity in in all of this, and it's important to push back against people like Dan Denver in this podcast and Mindy Iser and others who who insist on a reductive view, on a taxpayer zero sum organizational process view that insist on a rigid party line in all its forms and. By 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 golly, we are we are known a certain amount of Protestant good works. Like you need to justify yourself within Calvinism, and like people burn out, and like other people have been making great points. Like like people burn out, people get exhausted. Some people, and like I'm one of them, struggles to be in organizational relationships anyway because of histories of relationships and organizations that have been traumatic for various reasons, right? And so like there's so much diversity here that we need to navigate and we can do that by not needing a dialectical other to sustain ourselves in a zero-sum relationship. Yeah, we don't need to negate our diversity. Exactly. Um, And that's, and yeah, and so I I actually want to, um, I actually want to read something now that I think will... Some light reading. Some light reading that I think will (laughs) ring really strong in people's ears as an analog to what we've been talking about. Um, Charlotte, I think this is from one of our favorite books. Yeah, this is this is um, this is an essay. Well, I'm not gonna say the name of the essay yet, um, but it is Karl Marx, uh, and this is Marx essentially describing the negation of difference as materially grounded cultural subjectivities that need to be cast aside because they're religious, their idealism, right? 
in favor of a scientific working class identity. So in this essay, Marx writes, the most rigid form of the opposition between the Jew and the Christian is the religious opposition. How is an opposition resolved? By making it impossible. How is religious opposition made impossible? By abolishing religion, right? So to be conscious of your class is to have a subjectivity that is in alignment with your actual position. So as soon as Jew and Christian recognize that their respective religions are no more than different stages in the development of the human mind, different snakeskins cast off by history, and that man is the snake who shed them, the relation of Jew and Christian is no longer religious, but is only a critical, scientific, and human relation. Science, then, constitutes their unity. But contradictions in science are resolved by science itself, right? And science itself is exactly this, this I mean, that's materialism, right? Like, that's the science of Marxism yeah. that Mindy has so much faith in. You know, now, now that I've read that, believe it or not, that's actually not the passage that, that usually gets cited as being scandalous from this text. The text is called On the Jewish Question, and it was written by Karl Marx. Foucault loves science. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I mean, Foucault, Foucault would be probably right about how science is being used here. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, no, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, we like we like critical theory because it critiques this sort of sense of enlightenment positivism, right? Exactly. You know, I mean, that's why I I, I read I you know critical theory in that we go by sometimes variously with money on the left MMT critical theory. Yeah, um, when we're reading this and thinking about it, to think about the the complicated identity of you know as a pmc in the way in all the complicated ways that it's described where you have a choice before you you can either act in a self-interested way and emancipate yourself from your immediate the good samaritan of the pope that was my biggest frustration with that episode with all the dialectical encounters and charity that the, the the good samaritan is like so like central to his metaphor and it's the same thing it's like you come on the road and there's somebody who's sick you can be good or you can be bad. What will you do? And that that's the source of everything. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's it's an encounter and you you find Pareto optimality for goodness, <laughs> basically, <laughs> right? Um, but you know, there's this choice that you get as as a PMC that and they're all talking, maybe not fully aware of this and reflexive about this, but this is extremely self-implicating and they're talking about themselves and the choice that they think that they're making to hold a sign outside instead of send a tweet. I'm definitely like, uh, if anybody's PMC in this definition, like I'm of it and of those people. And like, I, it's a hundred percent about themselves. <laughs> by, by, the, by, the, by the way, uh, I was able to hold a sign and send a tweet at the same time today. So just oh, as an FYI. That's, um, once again. Just... Contradiction in the max form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's called the max form. I told form. you to delete that selfie that you, you posted from Praxis. I'm not sure if that's allowed. <laughs> you just negated yourself and now you're back in religion. Good going, Max. Um, Have you, did you did you pay your did you pay your dues to post that? <laughs> I actually did, yeah. <laughs> um, right, but so like <laughs> um so, you know, we're talking about this choice that that PMC people face under capitalism. Basically, you know, it's 
Do I emancipate myself in this individualist way or do I selflessly sacrifice now in order to get true working class emancipation by abolishing my capitalist ideology where I see myself as a bundle of human capital who's flowing around the world going from job to job? A bundle and, of human you know? capital. <laughs> um, That's like those eights. Those eights all like bundled up. <laughs> the process is to give up your self-interestedness. Yeah, right? that's the key because the ground of classical economics, as we all know, is self-interest. Right, right. You're trying to maximize your your self-interested utility for yourself. And a vulgar right? materialist explanation of PMC, or just all the explanations of PMC, really. Like I'll I'll just say, try to quote unquote empathize with people who are PMCs by saying that it's in their immediate self-interest to buy into that all of that stuff. Um, you had a good line about like with the like because Wynant was locating it in like the Warren Bernie thing and it was like you, you had a good line like you know be nice to like your aunt who's a Warren voter you know? <laughs> <laughs> like talk to her about Bernie like don't be rude is don't be a dirtbag Bernie person you need to be like no look a lot of Bernie supporters are PMC we know this Warren aunt and I'm humble about that you know and there's like this like but uh, okay so say say more yeah. well yeah, well, uh, yeah well, like Catherine uh, Liu just wants to replace she wants to replace like HR anti-racism seminars with struggle sessions yeah literally as though they're not totally similar things like <laughs> yeah and the weirdest struggle sessions too just imagine yeah that. just talking about your stinking pussies and how much you hate your babies <laughs> Yeah, I left my baby in a room for 10 hours in the dark the other day. I didn't give a shit. Oh, I, I can do a, I've, I've been to a few struggle sessions, if that's what <laughs> um, Okay, so I'm just going to start reading. Um, now, I think that we've... Back to the Jewish I've, question. I've, I've, I think that we've, that we've set up the old JQ enough. Um, so I'm just kidding. Um, I think that we've we've set up this reading enough. Um let us consider the actual worldly Jew, not the Sabbath Jew, as Bauer does, who's, you know, Bauer is this person that he, this is like a polemic against. There's a lot of those. <laughs> Fuck you, a bitch. She has a lot of those missives for people who are anti-Twitter. <laughs> yep. Um, not, the, Sorry, not the Sabbath Jew, but the everyday Jew. Let us not look for the secret of the Jew in his religion, but let us look for the secret of his religion in the real Jew. Which is, again, the exact same move that, that we've been talking about and critiquing with the PMC. You know, look for the secret of the true nature of the PMC in their stupid rhetoric. Let's look in their stupid rhetoric to find out what we can glean from that materially about the position that the PMC is in, right? Right. Um, so the, vir- the virtue is signal. Yeah. Right. I mean that. That. Yeah. Yeah. Virtue hoarding. So, <laughs> excuse me. We ch- we, we changed. Uh... Yeah. So so then Marx writes. <laughs> what is the secular basis of Judaism? Practical need, self-interest. What is the worldly religion of the Jew? Huckstering. <laughs> what is his worldly god? Money. It's not great. Right. Not great. Um. Which you know, right? And but but the thing is, right? It's com- like it's, com- it's complex. We're not trying to show that Marx had like covert anti-Semitic intentions, right? Like it's I, the argument, the argue, the, the logic is about what it's about. It's worth saying that you know yeah. Marx's purpose in here, like he's 
he wants to help everybody, right? Like that's he he want he just wants the class struggle, right? But anyway, anyway, that's the biggest uh-huh. enemy. Anyway, so he says, yeah. So he says, um, very well then. Emancipation from huckstering and money, consequently from practical, real Judaism, would be the self-emancipation of our time. Right? It would be the right. self-emancipation. You have to kill the. You have to. You have to kill the. Hoard your virtue. Kill the PMC in your head. Right. Um, I mean, I don't want to say this, but like, kill the kill the PMC in your head. Right? Is is to kill the self-interested huckstering money grabbing Jew in your head. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the, that's what Marx is saying. Yep. Right. And that's the, that's why people like Winat and Ehrenreich and, and, and people who say that I was once an ultra, but now I'm not. Mm -hmm. And that's like the shape of that. I'm an academic, but one who's well behaved. Exactly. The shape of that is precisely similar. I have to stop being for myself, even though that my position in society produces me to want to be for myself because secular Judaism, secular capitalism has been, has, is, is, is totalizing. You have to, you have to sublimate those desires to the science of Marxism. And that's, that's to, that is to eliminate the Jew in your head. And it's also worth noting that framing taxpayer things, lo- some taxpayer logic right, there. That's taxpayer logic, zero-sum dialectical logic. It's also worth noting that it's a very easy slippage from going from eliminate the PMC Jew in your head to eliminate the PMC or the Jew out there. Yep. Well, because right? because what does it what does it actually because they are also they're making a point about what they think a human being is going to be like when classes abolished or whatever, and all they're saying is it's not a Jew. <laughs> right. Like, Literally. Well, we, yeah. he, he doesn't write recipes for the kitchens of the future, you know? He well, just, well, I yeah. mean... He then, just, oh, then, you know, exactly. we'll just start, we'll like, just negate the Jews, but besides that, you know, it's anybody's guess. Yeah, yeah, we'll just see what happens. Like. <laughs> this is exactly <laughs> the point, though. This is exactly the point, right? Because... Modernity, like the the story of Mark of that Marx tells about the Jewish merchant and about about usury as the sort of capitalist logic of of both capitalism and pre-capitalism. There, there, it's located in a specific like Jewish identity that he historically ascribes as the causal agent of the onset, right, of capitalism, of the circulation of commodities <laughs> in a particular historical moment, right, and so. In, in to and the nature of dialectics and the being thrown into relations of circulation is that well, that's why Bernie was a carpenter in the seventies to become Christian. <laughs> well, 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 right. But Sorry. the point is, is delete, that, delete. I mean, this I have a I have an actual anecdote about this. Like there were there were there were like communists passing out like communist international communist newspapers at the march today, and someone came up to me and said. Like the goal is not just to not just to do social democracy. It's to it's to abolish paying for things. Right. And it's abolish and it's basically abolish exchange and to live like our ancestors lived. Right. And that's that's what's harbored in this. Right. There's a reason why. And, and this person means well, I have no doubt. Right. There, but there's a reason why that the impulse is to to go back to nature. I mean, in 
in the economic and philosophical manuscripts, Marx talks about communism as naturalism. Yeah. Mar- right? Max first coming for the Jewish question, then anarcho-primitivism. It's just really <laughs> we're taking on a lot of big fish. It but saying that to not be PMC, to not be self-interested, you know, as as the sort of the totalizing relationship of a secular Jew, i.e. money, is precisely this desire to get back to nature that is precisely christian yeah in its and own i love structure. the church so much though it's really pretty <laughs> but i also hate aesthetics that's great <laughs> um i'm i'm just gonna i'm not even like i'm like halfway done with one of the quotes um so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep going <laughs> this is beautiful everybody loves us <laughs> <laughs> so right marx writes an organization of society which would abolish the preconditions for huckstering and therefore the possibility of huckstering would make the Jew impossible. His religious consciousness would be dissipated like a thin haze in the real vital air of society. On the other hand, if the Jew recognizes that this practical <laughs> nature of his is futile and works to abolish it, right, if if the PMC joins DSA, <laughs> right, um, right, he extricates himself from his previous development and works for human emancipation as such and turns against the supreme practical expression of human self-estrangement, right? And what better way to actually, like, if you just take out the word Jew, right, that is the exact way that that the PMC gets described, right? Yeah, this, that's so every, true. Everything is this practical expression of human self-estrangement that we need to recognize as being a practical expression in order to then replace it with a more authentic expression that's informed by knowledge. They join the Atari Democrats and they they watch the crown. And preci- I mean, this is precisely the point, right? Like, I love the crown, because I'm a princess PMC. (laughs) But also, like, and and I'm a graduate student who, like, writes about all sorts of, like, abstract German media theory, blah, 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 right? And, but... Is that gay? I mean, (laughs) when I do it. um, (laughs) But, um, but all, but when all's said and done, right, like, the argument that we have to, like, lash ourselves of our identity... Um, in order to do meaningful work, it's totally ridiculous. But it's not, it's not arbitrary, right? It's situated precisely in a philosophical and theoretical argument, which is why the theory work that the so-called PMC do is so important, which is not to say that it's prior to in some absolute sense either but that the net these networks of ways we understand and 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 exert agency over our movements and our organizations and our politics in various ways whether it's you know like i'm walking down the street and i trip into christian cinema and i say christian cinema vote for the pro act and like right like that's that's a that's a valid form of and and fund the leftist universe fund public universities like yeah. fund fund shit like that this, the reason this... it has these scarcity logics is precisely because yeah like in a lot of ways like neoliberalism and different regimes of scarcity and capitalism 
within the university, but also like there's been histories of uh, certain kinds of publicly afforded abundance. Like, but you want to lean into the left leanings of that always. And, and these people that's the know point. Like these these people know that you just need to fund things. Like that's what's so frustrating about this. It's like people know MMT now. Right. People know that we can fund things, that you need to be able to fund things. But at the level of process and at the level at which they read culture and and method, there's this disjunct. Right. Like they know we need to get rid of scarcity logics. And then they're like, well, no, those are the ultras and they're wrecking out. Like it's like, yeah, because they don't believe in the pub. They don't believe in the possibility of the public. Yeah. And then they and then you're like, how do you well, how do you get all they all they actually demand are like reforms and funding really and then you're like how do you, how do you get them then and then they, they just say the language movement every time and we love like, we love a lot of the labor movement right we, we what we critique is the locus because like the way it's like theorized and aestheticized yeah right like right we don't have to romanticize it either or fetishize yeah. it i mean like like i said my union sucks ass yeah and that's fine it's still i'm still gonna like Some when people bargaining like comes sucking ass. we're still gonna <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, anyway, um, but uh, back to the Jewish question. All right. Um. No, no, I, I don't. I don't want to go back to the Jewish question. <laughs>
bearings on a scale of slightly strong. To a fluster of surprise, to a flutter of distance of time. Further anticipation is this chaotic wonder, a cordial tongue with one loose of gold. Hydra.